Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend. We're going to talk about education today and some concerns about what might be coming down the road in 2021, including not only the education system in America and K-12 academia, the university system, but what would a Joe Biden presidency look like and why should we be concerned about that uh, we've got Dr. Duke Pesta coming on in a minute. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us another day, for waking us up, for giving us wisdom, and for giving us your truth. Thank you that we can know your word and know and be able to live it out. We pray for wisdom as we are in dark times, Lord, um, so we need discernment as well. Thank you for saving us, for the promise of salvation, and for what we have to look forward to, even this season of Thanksgiving as we lead up to the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, we thank you, God, that uh, we have such a hope and we have such a God who wants to have a relationship with his children. We lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, today, we're blessed to have back with us Dr. Duke Pesta. He's a speaker, an author. He's from Freedom Project Academy, university professor, high school teacher, and, of course, he's the host of the Dr. Duke Show, and it's one of uh, America's—he is one of America's foremost authorities on the dangers of Common Core and just educating people about education in America. He's given hundreds of talks in at least 46 different states. And uh, Dr. Duke Pesta, thank you so much for being back on Stand Up for the Truth with us. Glad to be with you today. All right, there's so much to talk about, but before I do that and get into some questions and some concerns, some articles— um, tell us about Freedom Project Academy, how that may have uh, given, been given a boost due to the coronavirus and more people wanting that online education. Well, you know, <clears throat> the Lord always does give silver. In the worst of times, he always does provide silver linings. He doesn't uh, – never. nothing is ever bleak with God. And so one of the potentially positive outcomes of this horrible pandemic is that um, a lot of moms and dads who have been just blithely sending their kids off to public school, paying their property taxes, uh, voting for referendums to give <clears throat> more and more money into the public schools, uh, are now starting to realize by watching their kids at home, by seeing what their kids do and do not know, that there are major issues with the public school. Even if you can get around somehow the politicization, the anti-Christianity, the sexuality, uh, the endless political pushing of your kids, even if you can get around all of that uh, and somehow survive the public schools, uh, the fact remains that our kids just don't even – the public schools aren't even doing the basics when it comes to teaching our kids how to read, write, and do math. Mm -hmm. so, um, so Freedom Project, we you – know, about a decade ago, we created Freedom Project as one kind of alternative for moms and dads. It's not for everybody. It's, it's kind of a cross between a home school and a private school, but we bring live teachers into your home uh, on the computer. Uh, during the week, they teach live classes. Your kids sign up for live classes. They sit there. They have a real classroom environment, uh, but they do it from the comfort of home. So they're spared all of that politics. We, do, we are apolitical. Mm -hmm. We are uh, Christian. And so uh, the school's one answer, uh, and you mentioned it, I think we, we, we doubled our enrollment just this past year because so many parents realized that not only for the first time they could see how their kids were struggling with education, but the, the public schools were completely unprepared to do anything like online education. Uh, they had no idea how to do it. They had no experience, do, experience doing it, so it was a disaster. Uh, we'd been doing it for 10 years, so we, we were really good beneficiary, beneficiaries of that, uh, and we um, were bringing a Christian education to a lot of parents who otherwise wouldn't have had it. So the website, fpeusa.org, um, people can get more information there. And when would be the next time that parents could register their children? Well, go ahead and take a look at what we uh, – go to that website, Freedom Project, uh, fpeusa.org, take a look at what we do. If there's something you're interested in or you have questions, enrollment will begin at the end of January, so just a couple months away for fall of next year. And I think it's going to be another big year, so if it's something you want, you're interested in, try not to wait. We've got uh, the Dr. Duke Show at freedomproject.com. Uh, Katie uh, does Healthy Republic. Alex Newman does the Newman Report. I'm blessed to do 
Christ and Culture. Um, you've been talking about a lot of these issues on the Dr. Duke Show and in detail. And if people haven't heard about what's going on, I highly recommend going to freedomproject.com under shows. Click on the Dr. Duke Show. Um, to piggyback on what you just said about online learning and how the schools, the government schools, were not prepared for it, this article just came out that grades have spiked 83% failing grades. I'm talking about F grades, 83% due to virtual learning. Now, that's obviously not through Freedom Project Academy, but what's your take on this uh, just horrible um, rollout of trying to do this virtual school uh, when the public schools try to get involved and do this? I, I think that's more dishonesty from the public schools. What, what is the one thing the public schools despise more than anything else? They're not, they're, they're, they don't like alternative education. They don't like the fact that there are Christian schools or private schools, or, and they really don't like homeschooling. How many show, we've talked a lot on your program over the last few years about the coming war on homeschool, mm-hmm. what they were trying to do at Harvard University last year, hold a conference on how a homeschool should be abolished or, or completely regulated. So to me, this is dishonest. The fact is, is that it's almost impossible to fail a public school class when you're on site. When the kids, back before the pandemic, kids would go to school, and we, were, we, we have all sorts of a hard, hard scientific data now that shows us kids at eighth grade were not being able, they can't read at eighth grade level, they can't do math at eighth grade level. We have the NAEP scores, right? These, these incredible testing, the politically neutral test, the NAEP scores, which show us that in a state like Wisconsin, where we are, uh, in, in a city like Milwaukee, big inner city, a, a lot of minority kids, that these were the ones that were supposed to be helped by all this educational reform, right? Common Core was going to help these kids. Well, in Milwaukee, only 8%, 8 percent, 8 percent of eighth graders could read at an eighth grade level, and only eight and a half percent of Milwaukee school kids could read at a, read at a ninth, read, excuse me, read and do math at a ninth grade level. So pretty shocking. The numbers are bad. Uh, and so what, what's happening here with the, the article you just brought up? Well, when these kids were in classrooms, when, when the status quo before the virus, you know, you packed them up, you sent them off all day, big, big huge influxes of, pub, of taxpayer money to the public schools to keep them running, no one failed. It was impo- these kids were socially promoted. Hmm. None of these kids who couldn't read and write were held back. They were, they were socially promoted in the name of social justice. Wow. They were told that because of the horrible world they lived in and the systemic racism that they, that they had to experience, we were going to give them a common core education. We were going to promote them anyway. We're going to send them to college even though they're not ready. So you could, it was almost impossible to fail. Now, all of a sudden, we go to online learning because of the, uh, because of the, the plague, the, 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 the virus, and all of a sudden, 80, 83% spike in failures. You know, what that is is teachers lashing out at a system that opens the door to more outside education. Uh, they say that um, uh, basically uh, 10 to 15% of the American public school kids just left, just left the public schools uh, this year because they could not take the, the way that they were doing online learning. Mm. And so that's a huge, huge problem for the public schools. And I think the reason you're seeing the failures, because these are, these are the, I mean, what, the kids can't read and write? They couldn't read and write before. <laughs> Why are you failing them now? You're failing them now because you're not failing them. You're failing any kind of education outside of traditional public school classroom education where they get your kids for eight hours a day. Hmm. Interesting. There's another story out of Kentucky that kind of goes along with this. Over 1,000 parents, uh, 17 Christian schools filed a lawsuit against the governor for restricting in-person learning. So this is interesting, but this comes from more private and Christian schools that want to learn because apparently, according to this article, uh, they've spent uh, over, well, 70000 some a couple hundred thousand to implement safety measures for their children, including social distancing and all that, cleaning the staff, and they want to be able to have their kids come to school. These are private and Christian schools. What's your take on this? I'm sure there are going to be a lot more lawsuits. I'm sure there are some we haven't even heard about yet. Well, there was one out in California, too, which basically knocked them and said you can't you, – you, the idea that you can segregate or hold Christian or private education to a, a different standard is ridiculous. You have no constitutional right to do that. Uh, so so the, the, the law is pushing back now on some of the discrimination that's taken place. But I think the, the larger point makes my point, my earlier point. Uh, the, public school, the public school industrial complex, if you can call it that, mm-hmm. uh, they, will, they will brook no competition – 
They want if, – if, if they can't – they're not interested. They're, the, the dirty little secret is, is that they, the, the teachers and the schools don't like online learning. They don't like it. They, it's not the same. How many times did we see over the last year teachers and schools warning parents? I've got a dozen examples of this, of parents being warned by the public schools, you are not to sit in on your students' lessons. When your student is at home and he, is, he or she is on the computer, you are not to be part of it. If you are there, if we find out that you are monitoring or watching or sitting in on these lessons, we will expel your kid. We will suspend your kid from school. They, what they're concerned about is, is moms and dads actually finding out that the classroom in the public schools isn't really a learning environment anymore. Mm. It's a site of indoctrination. It's a site of politics. It's a site of groupthink. It's a site of bullying white kids into thinking that they're privileged and telling non-white kids that their, their, their struggles are only because of racism. It's all about transgenderism and, and, and homosexuality and pulling apart traditional marriage. It's anti-Christian. It, it's the worst kind of secular materialist uh, claptrap that borders on socialism. Mm. And now that they're doing the online, it's not like all of a sudden these teachers who for a dozen years have been doing more and more sociology in the classroom mm-hmm. and less and less actual education. It's not like they're all of a sudden going to be able to change that online. Uh, their, their, their lesson plans, the textbooks they're using, the standards they have to teach to, the tests they have to teach to are all highly political. So they can't just stop being political to hide it from the families. So they do their classes the only way they know how, which are even less effective online than they are in classrooms. And then parents are beginning to see some of the garbage. Parents, parents all across the country are, are during the election. With the, we just saw the, the Trump election. How many? Every single day, there were five or six stories about kids being educated from home, just having teachers go off on Trump. Just the most highly, <laughs> yep. shockingly, staggeringly unprofessional stuff. Now, and that's the stuff that was being caught. They were doing this while they were beaming these classrooms right into your living room. Yep. You imagine what happens in the in the privacy of the classroom in a public school every day. Exactly. So they're on their best behavior when they're on video, Zoom, whatever they're doing. Well, they're, they're on better behavior. Yeah, well, better. <laughs> Good point. Um, you did a show a while back on the Dr. Duke show about uh, Cuomo um, exploding at a reporter questioning school closures. What a mess in New York. Right after he said that, didn't they close the schools anyway? Yes, they did, and then, and then there was a there was such blowback, uh, and uh, Cuomo's reputation took the. the let's, let's step back for a second. This is the same Andrew Cuomo, <laughs> who sent all of those sick people to to nursing homes to die. Mm, yes, about eleven thousand people died because he put sick people around very vulnerable elderly people, and for that he the media just gave him an Emmy. He yep. won an Emmy for his coverage of the COVID virus. He, yep. was, he was America's governor, t- tough-talking New Yorker, right? Yeah. Uh, this is the same guy now who uh, has, has suffered a blow to his ego because the revolution, the revolt of, of very progressive New York families against the lockout of the schools has finally hit them. And over the weekend, they now announced that at least in New York City, they're going to let all the schools open again, the public schools. So they've already had to do a, a 180 on that. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, here you are. You're, you're, you're already one, one semester down in the entire school year. So it's, it's highly problematic. And the way, the, as with everything else, progressives, and that's, uh, you, you can't get more progressive than the education administration in the city, in the state of New York. Uh, the, the education uh, boards, the education discipline in these schools are so progressive that they use public schools as really a way of taking hostages. They, mm-hmm. they bully for more money. They're sops for the unions. Uh, they're conduits, as we've said many times, for radical progressive ideology. They put their thumb on the scale of, of, of voting in this country by warping the minds of middle school and high school kids one way or another. Yep. And that's what Cuomo's done, right? He's been really responsible for this. And finally, it's beginning to catch. And see, now that the Trump demon has been slain. <laughs> now that the Trump monster has been unelected, you watch now. Now they're paying a price. Now, now, because every everybody in New York hated Trump, all the progressives. But he, you can't blame him anymore. Now the only one left to blame for this school mess is the officials of New York. Now that Trump is no longer a factor, because I promise you this, Andrew Cuomo will never blame 
250,000 deaths on Joe Biden. No, never. He will blame. So there's no the the uh, uh, the bogeyman is dead, right? The scapegoat has been sacrificially offered on the 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 ballot box. He's, <laughs> he's gotten rid of. Now New York has got nobody else to blame. And so now for the first time in a year and a half, New York officials, because there is no higher scapegoat, are being blamed, and they don't like it. And they're already reconsidering their decision to close the schools. Wow. Um, let's stick with New York for a minute. I do want to ask you what you can tell Wisconsin parents about what Emperor Evers uh, might be doing, because he obviously is pro-government schools. But uh, Megan Kelly ditched New York City schools um, following a directive to reform white children. What can you tell us about that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I asked myself, Megyn Kelly, I mean, she is a $100 million person. I mean, uh, she she had a huge buyout from Fox when she left. Before she left Fox, she was making a lot of – and God bless her. This is a, this is a God bless capitalism and free markets, so I'm not begrudging her that money. But why in the world would somebody with that kind – those kind of resources have left her kids in the public schools, for God's sake, especially in a place like New York? Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, what happened was is that literally the school that her kids – it was a swanky public school. It wasn't an, certainly wasn't an inner city public school. It was one of the more swanky ones. Nevertheless, the entire program for one day was, or for one week, was to teach kids, like you said, that their whiteness was toxic, right? That they were singling out individual kids, white kids, and they, they were talking about the police, about how the police were nothing but murderers. And it was actually taught to these kids that one of you white kids sitting here today is going to become a cop killer before you're dead. You, one, of you is gonna, one of you is going to grow up to be a cop killer. One of you is going to become a police officer, which in their mind was akin to being a cop killer. And that was a bridge too far for Megyn Kelly when she found out that, and, and, and good for her, she's got the resources. She was able to pull her kids out like most moms and dads can't do or think they can't do. She had enough money to make that transition. But that's the kind of stuff that goes on in New York schools every day. I go back to what I said before. Why do you, if, as, a, as American moms and dads, other than the fact that, that somebody is, it's, it's, we consider it free daycare, right? Uh, that if it weren't for the daycare aspect of this, you know, that we send our kids to school at 7 in the morning, they get back at 4 in the afternoon, that's a long time in the day where we don't have to worry about our kids. Now, uh, is the daycare would how many moms and dads do you think Dave would send their kids for ten hours and pay a lot of money to a daycare that taught their kids that there was no God that taught their little two and three year olds that gender meant nothing that forced uh, homosexual ideology on middle schoolers you would never in a million years Christian mom and dad spend that kind of money to send your kid to a daycare exactly. but if you're sending your kids to the public schools dutifully eight hours a day that's what you're doing because you think it's safe. But that's exactly what they're getting now. But and so they, they care or not. And, and let's not forget that we're paying for that with our taxes, our real, <laughs> our property taxes, our sales taxes. You are paying for it. And you're paying for that kind of indoctrination. I was just going to say, but it's free. Public schools are free. They don't have to spend <laughs> anything. But that's the justification, isn't it? Isn't that one of the biggest justifications to keep sending your children, Christian children, to these indoctrination centers? Well, this is the insidiousness of public education. It's why the founding fathers made no made no uh, order for it. There was no discussion of education back. We didn't get we didn't get a national we didn't get a public school system in this country until 1850, 80 years after the founding of the country, because the founders knew that if you if you gave the federal government uh, some foothold in education, that inevitably they would be using that foothold against their own people, and we've reached that point now. That's exactly where we are now, and people think it doesn't cost anything because for 75, 100 years, we've been paying for it without even noticing it. We're so used to the deductions. We're so used to the property taxes, the sale taxes. We don't think we see them anymore. Mm. And so the, the schools get funded. And here's another point I want to make, Dave, while we're on this. Can you name another, another instance in American culture where something that costs so much money delivers so little? How come there's no accountability? I mean, if we're paying for it, our tax money is going to pay for it. Yeah. And every year, our kids become less able to read, less able to do math at a, at a serious level, that their skills, their logical skills, their critical thinking skills are incredibly backward. How come the answer to all of this for 50 years has been, we, this is why we need more money? Our teachers are failing. Our schools are failing. And that's proof. You've got to pay us more money. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is staggering when you think about it. And that, but I've got to tell you, that's what Joe Biden said. Joe Biden said the solution to those the schools is more money. Wow. We've got to get the teachers' unions more money. And that's, you want to know what's coming down the road? 
much higher property taxes, much higher investment in education without a single added accountability structure. Nothing at all. Yep, and there hasn't been for for who knows how long as far as accountability. We're with Dr. Duke Pesta, uh, Freedom Project Academy, and The Dr. Duke Show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the cancel culture. They were very active over Thanksgiving. Also, land back. They say we must continue to decolonize minds, communities, and sovereign nations, plus the concerns about a Biden presidency. What would that look like? More with Dr. Duke Pesta in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest, Dr. Duke Pesta with Freedom Project Academy and The Dr. Duke Show. You've got to check that out if you haven't. Uh, DrDukeShow.com or FreedomProject.com slash shows. You can get more information there. Um, a lot more in detail and in depth than what we can possibly cover in an hour here. We're just going through some news articles, and these are things that should concern Christian parents. Let's go to New Jersey. We were just in New York. Uh, New Jersey is seeking to mandate LGBT-approved books. Um, Dr. Duke, from my understanding, a lot of schools across the country have already mandated LGBT-approved books. They're already reading these uh, transgender books to kids and others. So what's this about the New Jersey mandate? Well, the mandate is big because of the way it was phrased, but the entire state of California is already doing this and other progressive places as well. And this will come to every state in the union. It, it is not, not going to be excluded anywhere. As we saw with Common Core, all those states that said they weren't going to take it, all those states that said they were going to fight it, including Wisconsin, took every bit of it. Uh, it's all a bunch of lies. Yeah. Because the, the, there really isn't local control. We have this fairy tale that local control of school, we don't. The, the, big, the textbook companies produce the Schools have to buy textbooks. The only options now are those. And then tests have been transformed. So to go back to New Jersey. This is really a shocking thing, that no textbook in any subject in New Jersey, no, text, no subject textbook, not a math, not a history, not a chemistry, not a biology textbook, any textbook that New Jersey buys for, this, for their schools will have to be approved by a commission of LGBTQ activists. So you're saying to myself, did he just say that? And the answer is yes, that your biology textbooks must please LGBTQ activists. And, my, and you, know how it, you know how it won't please this? Any textbook that focuses only on biology, heaven forbid, right, that we focus on, on biology in a biology class, any textbook that is simply a biology textbook is no longer acceptable in New Jersey. It's going to have, be a, it's going to have to be a biology textbook wow. that is accommodating to transgender and homosexual people. In other words, you're going to have to find ways to work LGBTQ activism into biology class or chemistry class. Every single textbook for every single class will have to be approved that way, which mm. means, as I've said many times on your show, the idea that you can, you can skip this or you can opt your kid out of this is absolutely impossible. It was never meant to be something you could, uh, you could opt your kid out of. It. They, what they want is this superstructure of sociological change. They are willing to sacrifice your kid's future as a student, as a thinker, as a, as a wage earner, as an entrepreneur, they're willing to compromise that if they turn your kid into the kind of kid who pours out into the streets tearing down statues against white oppression, the kind of kids right, who will vote blindly for radical Democrat and progressive candidates, the kind of students who despise their country and the Constitution and the Founding Fathers and will go along with any scheme to get rid of them. Hmm. That's the plan. And you know, I said I remember we've we've talked a lot about this a lot on your show, Dave. And I want to throw this out there because every time I've come on your show, either you or uh, you know uh, uh, Mike LeMay were very good about this. I know you've got teachers in your audience, and I know you got to be you got to be very sensitive to this. Mm-hmm. But look, I, I, this is this is not Q90. This is me talking now, so I take yep. responsibility for the following. <laughs> Thank you. Go as much as we love teachers. You are working in a system that is unmaking Christian values. Mm-hmm. You are working in a system, a public school system, that is cheating kids, cheating kids 
of the skills they need to succeed in society, to be able to take care of their families. And you are, you are working in a system that is cheating those kids, and that even if you're managing not to do it, that in many other aspects of what the public school system is doing is unmaking and actually hostile and destructive to a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'd like to see is, is I know there are good Christian teachers out there. Stand up. Uh, what would happen if a million Christian teachers stood up in protest? What would happen if 500,000 Christian teachers refused to teach certain curriculum? They would not be able to fire you all. Why is it, and, and this is broad now, why is it, as we saw all of last year, we had this teach red for red, they called it, remember? Yes. Go red, go communist for education. And you had teachers, this was right before the, the, um, the COVID virus that shut things down. You had teachers in places like Oklahoma and California walking out of the classroom in the middle of a semester, refusing to teach until they got raises. And every group of, of teachers that did it, they got huge raises. Jeez. You literally abandoned kids in the classroom, the commitment to these kids. Yeah. You walked out until you got what you wanted, which was simply more money. Why can't we do that in the name of Christian education or in the name of, uh, of getting rid of anti-theistic curriculum or in the name of, of ter- exposing kids to transgenderism in the elementary school? Mm. Where is that? At some point, you know, and this goes back to what I said before, at some point, if we as Christians are working in a system that is undoing Christian values, we have a moral obligation. We can't just say anymore hey, I might be part of that system, but I'm doing it the right way. There has got to be some pushback. Yes. I have seen no pushback from, from, from sane teachers, from Christian teachers in the last 20 years. Absolute silence on this front, which makes it only worse. Yeah, we've heard a few people contact the show, and, and they've been trying to stand up to these things, but um, it always comes down to them having to make a decision. It's, there's not enough people that are raising awareness or trying to speak out against this as far as Christian teachers. This article um, is over on freedomproject.com. It's by Alex Newman, this uh, mandate of LGBT-approved books. But, Duke, you said something that I want to clarify for the parents that are listening. Is this changing the right of parents to opt out of certain classes or sex education or health, whatever it is? Is this yeah, this is a state ago. issue, right? Yes, 10 years ago, you could opt out because they only taught sex ed for three weeks in a biology class sophomore year. And so that was easy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 15 years ago, the school would send a note around. Most schools would send a note around. Hey, uh, we're going to spend the next month talking about reproduction in biology class. And th- this way, parents were notified. Most kid, p- parents would send their kids. Some would pull out, but they had the option. Since the reforms of the last – since the year – more or less since the, the, the election of George Bush in 2000, where you got the no child left behind nonsense, which was followed up quickly by Common Core. And even before that, under Clinton, you had Goals 2000. These were all programs that, that were not about fixing kids, not about helping kids. Because uh, if, 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 you, if you're really interested, George W. Bush, and No Child Left Behind, you would not continue to pay for schools that get worse and worse and worse at teaching your kids how to read. What did No Child Left Behind do? What did Goals 2000 do? What did Common Core do? They did not fix the problem. They did not make failing kids better. They just destroyed the possibility for good students, the ones who hardworking students, smart students were held down. Common Core actually got rid of advanced learning and teaching. It got rid of honors programs. It got rid of uh, opportunities for kids to get ahead. The way the federal government for 40 years has fixed it is not by making the worst kids smarter, but by holding down the smart kids so that there's not much difference. And so that's what I said at the beginning of the show here, right, that we're socially promoting kids now because that's, the, that's inclusion. The hot new word in progressive studies is in, forget diversity. Diversity is old hat. Now, nobody talks about that anymore. <laughs> it's inclusion. Mm-hmm. And inclusion means what it says. Everybody who goes to school must get the same degree. Anybody who goes to public school should be able to go to pub- a college, no questions asked. That's why a lot of school districts have gotten rid of – a lot of colleges are getting rid of the SATs and the a- ACTs, right? Not because the tests are no longer valuable, but because some kids are going to fail the tests. And more inner-city kids, more minority kids are going to fail a test than suburban kids. And so that's not inclusive. Everybody goes whether they deserve to go or not. Everybody goes whether they're capable of going or not. That's inclusion. Mm -hmm. You and I know it historically from another word, 
socialism. Yes. It doesn't matter if you can or can't. You're going to get the same thing. You can work or not work. You're going to get paid the same thing by the state. You can try or you can not try. The state's not going to reward you for better, harder work. You get what everybody else gets. Wow. It's called outcome-based education. Socialism is outcome-based life, right? It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody only gets the same thing. This is what's happening in the schools now. And how do you opt out of that? You'd have to, the only way you can avoid it in the public schools now is to opt out of public schools. And that's why the schools are so angry about the alternatives. They, that's why they're so mad about this online teaching regime, because it is opening parents' minds to the idea that, you know, if this is what my kid's getting in public school, I can do this myself. Hmm. And now you're getting the attacks on homeschooling. Now you're getting attacks on private schools. Like you said, Dave, uh, they're trying to close down, find ways to handicap private schools yep. the same way the public schools have voluntarily handicapped themselves. Wow. So much to deal with here. And we've just got to keep talking about this, informing as many people as we can. Uh, diversity, inclusion, equity. Now it's anti-racism, systemic racism. That's being pushed now as racial propaganda and division are being forced on more public school children. There's another article before we get to the land back campaign and uh, what Joe Biden, uh, his administration would uh, do. We want to credit Alex Newman again. Uh, he's talking about this. This is the Marxist critical race theory on steroids forced on children. And this article particularly talks about Oregon schools, but it's not just unique to Oregon, is it? No, and what you said before is exactly right. Let's just stop for a moment over this one aspect of, of the modern education because your kids in every school district, Megyn Kelly's super white bread, waspy upper class public school <laughs> education for her kids, got it? And these inner city kids with uh, chaos reigning in places like Milwaukee and Chicago and Detroit and Cleveland, these horrible schools, they're all getting – the one thing they all have in common is this new – uh, racial politics, this new racial agenda. And they are literally starting by telling kids, if you're white at, or Asian, if you're white or Asian, you are successful not because you worked hard, not because of anything you've done. You're successful simply because of your skin color. And you should be really, really mad at yourself. You should really hate yourself and your country that, 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 that black and Hispanic kids are failing for no other reason than white supremacy. That is the that is the foundation on which all of this critical race theory is predicated. So, the, in fact, the worse the, pub, the worse the inner city kids do, the less they care, the more disruptive they are in class, the more it proves the thesis. The more inner city kids and minority kids fail, the more it demonstrates just how racist we are. <laughs> and the more Asian kids, the more white kids who score higher is proof that we're racist. Wow. And so hard, that's why they've decided now, right, that hard work is – to say that you have to work hard to succeed, that's a microaggression. <laughs> to say that reason and logic, that, that, math, that math is about right answers, that there's true and false in math, that's a holdover of 2,000 years of white supremacy. The empirical method, the scientific method is, is white supremacy. The idea that there is right and wrong, true and false. Two plus two equals only equals four in pr the privileged halls of white supremacists. In middle school classrooms with struggling African-American kids, two, two plus two is anything they say they want it to be. And if you don't like it, that's tough. If you want to have grammar and syntax and punctuation in English class, if you actually believe there's a correct way to use the language, well, then you're a white supremacist. Let kids speak with emoticons, emojis. Let kids speak without grammar. Let every kid with, his, with every dialect, let's not correct any of that, because to correct that is white supremacist. You are assuming that there's a better way to speak and a worse way, and it's always the minority kids who speak worse. So let's get rid of the standard altogether. This is what they're doing to your wow. kids now. And if you figured it out, what we just talked about for the last 20 minutes, it means that your public schools are no longer about education anymore. Hmm. They are anti-education. Yep. Not working hard as a minority is proof that you're a, a victim. To tell a minority kid, hey, you got a tough road to hoe here, but let's work hard and succeed, that's now racist. They are no longer trying to educate your kids. They are trying to uh, progressively, socialistically, turn your kids into the same kid. It's a very dangerous place for your kids to be. And this is the last place on earth 
that is anywhere consonant with anything like Christian values. This is the last place you're going to find values that support or are even sympathetic to anything like a Christian worldview is in a socialized classroom in America today. Wow. That's very provocative, but it's true, and I hope people recognize the danger we're in because we're raising generations of kids that really don't respect, don't like America. Some hate America because they think we're evil because that's what they're being taught. Um, books, classic books are being pulled out of schools. You know, Huckleberry Finn and others, I read that, was pulled out. They inspire racism. That's their reason. To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> which has been the darling of liberal educators for 40 years, right? It, one of those incredibly liberal books. It's, it's, a, it's a middle school book. It's no great classic. But it, was, it has the right political liberal message. Now that's got to be pulled. That's being pulled out of high schools because – middle schools because, A, it uses the N-word, and, B, it casts a white man as the hero, right? It's not the poor black people who've been disowned. It's, this, it's, it's the white guy protagonist, right? That, so so we got to get rid of these books because we don't want black kids to think that white people have anything to do with their salvation or their hope. So books like that – and again, these are, these are very liberal books that are being pulled on. Pulled on. You know, the, great, uh, the great African-American novelist, Ralph Ellison, uh, in the 1950s, he wrote a great book called The Invisible Man, one of the great works of literature uh, written by an African-American about how in white culture, oftentimes black people were invisible in the 1950s. Mm. He actually said, Ralph Ellison, of Huckleberry Finn, he said that Huckleberry Finn is the most moral race book on race ever written. That what Twain did in the 19th century for the first time was to, stru- to try to use literature in America to show the, 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 the lack of equity for black people. Mm. And now, simply because in so doing it 120 years ago, he used uh, – tw- 130 years ago, Twain used did, tr- Twain didn't hide the N-word. That book has to be removed, too, a book that was called the most moral book on race ever written. So these very li- – this is something that we've we got to make clear. It's not just conservatives. i got news for you. If you're a conservative Christian, they've already banned you. i got news for you. If you're a conservative Christian and your kids are in the public school, you have already been canceled, my friend. Mm-hmm. They are not only not teaching anything that you would support. They're systematically undermining your Christian conservatism. They are un- – you have been canceled. Now they're starting to cancel not liberal enough liberals. That's, you should think about that. You're, you're already not a threat to them as a Christian or a conservative. They've already destroyed your worldview for your kids. Now they're coming after very liberal books because they're not woke enough. That's where we are in the public schools. Wow. Yes, we are, unfortunately. We've got a lot more coming up. We've got to take a break in about a minute, but we're going to talk about the land back campaign before we jump into some uh, Biden administration policies and what we can expect. Um, But this land back campaign, they vandalized statues in the last week, Thanksgiving time, Uh, Washington, Lincoln, uh, Christopher Columbus and others in several states, Minneapolis, I believe Seattle, Portland. What is this all about? What is what is the land back campaign? Well, Well, go ahead. It's not just that you're getting rid of statues of white men who we hate because that's still a crime, right? Vandalizing white guys because you don't like history is a crime. Now they put a spin on it. We're vandalizing the statues of white guys because they're, they're on land that once belonged to Indians. See, so now we're not just anti-history. We're actually reclaiming this land for Native Americans, and, you, and, we'll, and we believe you won't do anything to us because of it. And they're right. Hmm. Who's getting arrested for this? Who's getting prosecuted for this? Nobody. Nobody. Wow. Uh, when we come back, I want to just talk a little bit more about that because it's so important. The what, what really happened, I know you could do another whole show on the Native American history and the land, the wars between, you know, quote, cowboys and Indians and all that. But we do need to share a little bit of that truth. Dr. Duke, you're a great person to do that. And then we'll get into uh, some concerning policies that Biden has in his, his administration coming up. Uh, more on Standard for the Truth, Dr. Duke Pesta. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
Kamala Harris was slammed on Twitter over the weekend, apparently, uh, because she was saying that she was committed to helping small businesses affected by the pandemic. And yet she openly supported protesters at the height of social unrest and bailed out rioters from prison. So she was really in a co- caught in a contradiction. Dr. Duke, uh, the landmark campaign, a lot of people really believe that th- the white man came and stole all the land and, and uh just, you know, discriminated against Native Americans. This is what kids are learning. So could you please clarify as much as you can condense that, the danger of this kind of teaching? Yeah, this is the death of America. Uh, look, you've got to look at this rationally. If we, for the last 30 years, we've been graduating more and more kids who hate their country. And we're at the fever pitch of this now. You look at what? Recent surveys show that almost 60% of American college kids favor socialism. I've seen some surveys as high as 72% over capitalism, that these kids don't believe that the founding founding of this country, there's any justice to it, that America has been an unjust, colonial, racist, oppressive country from the beginning of the – from 1619. All right, the 1619 Project. Ooh. We didn't become a country in 1620 anymore, the schools are teaching kids. 1620 is Mayflower. 1620 is the struggle of the Puritans. It's the, <laughs> the, the religious thanksgiving to God for bounty and salvation. No, 1619 is the new net number, because that's the number we're going to use to start talking about the slave-owning history of America. Now, did the Puritans own any slaves? No. That's why we can't use 1620 anymore. Maybe if the Puritans had uh, sailed over on the Mayfield, uh, Mayflower with an underhull full of black slaves, then we would talk about 1620. That's all that matters wow. is slavery. And, w- and so America was conceived in slavery. And then ultimately, when we got here, slavery became the destruction of indigenous people. This is the only narrative. This is nothing else matters to, to suggest that there are other ways of seeing the country or there are other arcs of American history is to be a racist. Uh, you try, good luck pointing out, right, that I ask this of my kids every semester. At the university, I'm dealing with this. I ask my kids because they have the same worldview, that the, America is only a wicked country. I asked them, I said, okay, explain to me then why, why was it in Western culture and not any non-Western cultures? That's civil rights, human rights, women's rights, gay rights. Why did those things happen here? If we're as bad as you say we are, if, you, if we are as unredeemably racist as your teachers tell you we are, hmm. how come that didn't happen anywhere else in the world? And they have no answer. Exactly. And the, the reality, Dave, is no one's taught them any history. Right. They don't know. They don't, all they know is the narrative now, that if you're a patriot, you're a jingoist. If you love America, then you hate minorities. They're, 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 taught, soci- they're taught Marxist talking points. They're, talk, they're, they're, they're taught this critical race theory. That, that, that's all it is. There's no evidence behind it. There is, but they're not taught anymore why Thomas Jefferson matters, why the Constitution. They, they, they don't have any idea, for instance, that up until the United States, there really were no constitutions. Mm-hmm. There were there really no countries in the history of the world who actually sat down and used constitutional means to put together a country that way. They they just have no idea about this. So that which that which was unique, that which was revolutionary, that which was incredibly progressive in eighth, the eighteenth century, they don't see it that way. They their only lens through which to view all history is the lens of their own woke ideology. And if we keep doing this, I mean Donald Trump if we had anything like political balance in our universities, Trump would be the president again. But these kids are so radically uh, uh, inclined now that they're learning nothing other than hatred for their country. The logic, the history demonstrates. If in a couple of years, a couple, we, we may be there already, honestly. When you think about what just happened in the most recent election, we may not see a conservative government again, or a president certainly again in our lifetime. Mm. Why? Because People 40 and under now, almost exclusively, have been educated that way. That doesn't mean that all people under 40 voted for Biden, but it means more and more and more of these kids being processed in schools are graduating from high school, graduating from college, pro-socialist without knowing what it means, anti-capitalist without knowing what that means, and entirely despising the structure of their country. Uh, transition here real quick to yes, Biden. Yes. You know, one of the things Biden, Biden the unions, uh, 230 different American organizations are urging, 230 are urging Joe Biden 
to ignore Congress and to just waive student loan debt the first day he's in office. Just take a pen and wipe it away. And Biden's considering it. With an, right? He I can mean, do that with an executive order? Well, that's the debate, right? I mean, uh, I don't think constitutionally he can, but that doesn't mean he won't do it. Of course. That, well, Obamacare was constitutionally illegal until John Roberts actually decided it was a tax and not a, <laughs> and not a right? And so and, and he's been noticing how John Roberts has been voting. So yeah. let's not pretend that the Supreme Court's going to do the right thing necessarily. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the big question. Does he have the power to do it? But the very fact that they're begging him, notice what they're doing. 230 different American left-wing organizations are asking the president to completely supersede the Constitution, mm -hmm. to completely ignore the constitutional structure of the country, and as a dictator or an autocrat, simply wipe away all of that the money due back to the American taxpayers. It's a shocking thing. And the fact that he's considering it tells you how far down the rabbit hole we've gotten. Yes. Well, Joe Biden's priorities make Hillary Clinton look like a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Um, he wants to codify Roe v. Wade. He, he wants to end the Hyde Amendment. Go ahead, Duke. Yeah. Tell whatever your concerns are, maybe regarding education what? or anything else about Biden. Well, and he also, what, 11 million people will Im immediately be made citizens and given voting rights. Yep. You, I'll, I'll tell you this. You go ahead and waive the, the tuition bills, the, the student loan bills for millions of kids, and you then take 11 million illegal immigrants and you legalize them and you give them immediate voting rights, and then you know what's going to happen next. Once you do that, 11 million more, 22 million more will be on the border by the end of the year. All those people will be, will be brought in. They will be immediately legalized. They will be immediately able to vote. Goodbye, because you will never again be able to elect anything but a progressive government. In mm -hmm. other words, look at what's going on in California, and, if, and, and right now, I, don't, I just don't see any way around it. See what, look at what's going on in California, and by the end of this four years, the United States will be California. Hmm. The only hope is the, the Senate battle, right, in Georgia. And that, that, this is how far we've come. With that, that one, maybe two potential senators is the difference between us becoming California or maybe the possibility to limp along for another four years. But the demographics are not in our – even if you do, even if both of, Georgia does manage to elect two Republican senators and you have a one or two vote margin in the, in the Senate mm -hmm. and that allows you to stop the worst of what Biden wants, demographics are not on our side. Right. If four years from now, if Biden does legalize 11 million people, if you do have a situation where uh, everybody under 40 is wants more Biden because he's completely eradicated their student loan debt, why not run in four years? On you elect Joe Biden in the next four years, I'm going to cancel your mortgages because mortgages are capitalist, and we're going to cast. Why should? And, and hey, we just gave all that money to college graduates. Why don't we do something from the non-college kids? Let's cancel mortgages and put the banks out of business. How far are you away from? this. Yeah, I know. I know. Not far. But getting back to the public schools, Biden said he's going to force schools and colleges to treat biological males as if they're females. I mean, actually, he didn't say yeah. that. But in so many words, he wants to let, you know, a nine or eight or nine year old be whatever gender they want to be. And he also wants to let males play on on girls sports teams and yeah. and everything else. Also, insurance companies to cover gender reassignment surgeries. What do you know about that, Dr. Duke? Well, that and they, they, they're, they're going to revisit some of these late re recent Supreme Court decisions that upheld religious liberty, right? The, the little sisters of mercy darn well better be providing birth control for their employees. Hobby Lobby, we're yep. going to have to go back after that one again, wow. too. Just because the Supreme Court had voted one way once doesn't mean the left is going to stop with this. They're, the one finger, the one hand of God thing that you can point to, I think, here is the fact that um, – we did get Amy, Amy Coney, Coney Barrett. Barrett on the list. Yes. That was a big deal. Huge. You just saw this last week because just last week she was the deciding vote, right? John Roberts voted with the liberals. She voted with what should be the conservative majority to actually protect religious liberty, right? You don't have the right to do that, to cancel churches and not cancel other things. But that was one vote, mm. one vote, right? And so. You know, uh, what if Joe Biden does it? What if he goes ahead and packs the court? Kamala Harris said that if she were president, she would do it. Yep. Uh, create five new justices, all of them liberals, all of them passed by a liberal Senate. Kiss it goodbye. I mean, we're that close to, cat to catastrophic collapse here. I said, if there's one thing that should scare you, it's this. Go back to what I said before. Look at how California's run.
and imagine that will be the whole country mm. in four years if nothing changes. If, if the Democrats do win the two Senate seats in Georgia, that's what you're looking at now. And that's utterly unsustainable. And also, I will say this, Q90 is a great Christian platform. I hope, I pray, uh, that this has seemed harsh to you, if my conversation today has been Not at uh, all. perhaps un- unchristianly bold, Mm-mm. let me say this to you. We need it. Your Christianity is on the chopping block here. The, yes. what they want, if they could get rid of one thing first, if you could give the radical progressives one thing, they would not first get rid of capitalism. They would not first get a stranglehold on education. They would not first legalize millions of illegal people. If you could give them one thing on their wish list, it would to make Christianity culturally irrelevant. Yep. That's what they want more than anything else. And the, school, and the more we participate in these schools, and the more we as Christians, whether we're Christian teachers, Christian parents, Christian taxpayers, the more we participate in what's happening in the public schools, the more we are funding and sending the raw material, our kids, into some of the most anti-Christian places in the history of the world. Wow. Uh, powerful words. I believe you're right on, Duke, and I think most of our audience is, is right there with you saying, wow, yes, we should be concerned about this. We've got just a minute and a half left. A year ago, you told us about Parler. I've been on Parler. Some of us here at the station, some of my friends have joined Parler. Uh, what is your concern about the power and influence of big tech and censorship, and uh, what's your uh, address on Parler? Well, that's why this is so bleak. Because the left doesn't just control – the culture wars are over. The left has Hollywood, culture. The left has uh, academia, yep. colleges. The left has the public schools, right? The left has um, the corporations. Have you watched uh, the corporate TV lately? I mean, my goodness. Are you watch, they're 100% in on all of this stuff. And then finally, yep. the big tech companies, they own them too. This is not a fight anymore. It is uh-huh. not a battle anymore. This is a – the, the, the powers that be consider America a post-Christian country. Yep. We're Christians living in what the intelligentsia, the academics, the Hollywood people, elite, the media, the journalists, all believe we are a post-Christian – for the first time, we are a post-Christian country. We, we haven't raced, realized this yet, but that's what, we, that's what we are. We are radical mind- – even though there are more of us than there are of them, yes. we are the minority. Was this election fair? I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. Are they able now with the power they wield to override this stuff? Yeah, I think they can and this is the problem. It's not enough anymore to have 70% of Americans who claim to be Christians. Claim. 50% of Catholics voted for Biden. Yep. Uh, half the Protestant, evangel- less than, what, 35% of so-called evangelicals said they voted for Biden. I mean, you have a situation now where Christianity has been so fractured in this country. Mainline, Christ- mainline Christianity, the Roman Catholic Church, these, aren't, these are, are, are barely even recognizably Christian organizations anymore. What did the Pope do this weekend? The Pope sat down with black billionaire football and basketball players yep. and praised them for their rebellion and then condemned people who it were, were protesting the lockdowns. So it's okay – if you're a basketball player, to be part of Black Lives Matter and Antifa. But if you're a, a struggling business owner who wants to not go out of business, the Pope said you're evil for protesting. That's where the Roman Catholic Church is. And many of our, our Protestant denominations are no better. Social justice, not Christ, is going to be the end of Christianity, at least uh, as an institution in the West. Yes. Wow, a lot of praying to do, a lot of work to do. Keep raising awareness. Thank you for all that you do, Dr. Duke Pestat, Freedom Project Academy, and on the Dr. Duke Show. God bless you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right, thanks. You too. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up for the Truth. Tomorrow, Pastor Dan Fisher, Black Robed Regiment. He's got a book out called Unlimited Submission? Question mark. We're going to talk about that with him. Also, you will hear from Carl Tykrib on Wednesday, my, one of my favorite Canadians. Dr. Bruce Baker, an eternal perspective on Thursday. He is on hospice and he joins us. Hopefully it won't be the last time, but a new author on Friday, Steve Wolberg, he's got a book out called Approaching Armageddon. 
So a lot of great guests the rest of this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.